Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. Good morning. I'm going to test something real quick, actually. I know this isn't very good to do in real time. This is just the only time I can do it. I cannot test this unless I'm live. I've been playing around with the audio. Unless I'm live. I'm yeah, there is a, um, there's kind of like a, a, a hissing sound, right? Um, if you listen to the podcast, if you're listening on the podcast, you probably can hear it right now. Um, I've been trying to do whatever I can to get rid of it, and, and I just can't. It's not that bad. I mean, I, I have not really had anybody complain about it. Uh, the listener numbers are good and still going up on the podcast. So obviously it's not bad enough to get you guys to stop listening. But I've got a really big mixer here. Like it's one that's meant for um, like, a, like a regular you know, radio studio. I do not have that at home. Um, so maybe, and it's old though, is the problem. So I have tried my hardest to get rid of that buzzing sound. Um I, I don't know how to get rid of it. I've tried everything, and I don't know how to get rid of it. It's faint. It just drives me nuts. And, you know, as somebody that works in the audio business, anytime the audio is not perfect, it drives me crazy. Uh, so this, um, I, I can't figure it out. I, I've done YouTube tutorials. I, I've done everything I can. It might just be the mixer. And uh, when I can actually afford one, I will... Um, I'll get a new one, much smaller, more compact, that um, that makes more sense for this anyway. I mean, you guys should see this thing. It's like this big. It takes up like half my desk, but it was one that was given to me, so I wasn't going to say no. Anyway, all right, uh, sorry about that, but welcome into Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Glad to see you as always. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky or Facebook. Also, by my name there, hit, a, hit a, the like button on that Facebook page. Uh, if you're more on there than Periscope, don't forget to search the podcast. And when you do, hit that subscribe button on there and leave a rating and a review. It's on uh, everything, really, at this point. Uh, it was just on iTunes, but now we got Spotify and everything there. So uh, however you're listening and wherever you are across the state, I'm really glad that you're making this a part of your day. And you can probably hear it. My voice is dying, so I don't know how long I'm going to go this morning. Uh, I'm not sick. I feel great. Uh, I was dealing with some allergy stuff the other day, and I guess that's finally, my wife said it was just kind of breaking up, and I don't know, my voice is dead. And I, I, have, I wasn't yelling, I wasn't uh, uh, doing anything at all, really. Um, but yet, um, it's, it's bad. It's here. So I don't know how, how long I'm going to last, but I'm glad you're with me nonetheless. And uh, Wayne, good morning. Glad to see you. And, and Murph, uh, DM me that video. I, I hope it's not one of my old journalism school uh, videos, because that would be embarrassing. I was really bad at the... Um... Yes, oh, you did find one. Yeah, oh my gosh. I need to delete those. How can I get rid of those? 
Oh, man. Yeah, I was not the best student reporter out there. Uh, we'll just say that. Uh, I always wanted to be an opinion guy anyway. I didn't want to be a journalist. I wanted to be in media, but I didn't want to be in journalism. You know, there's a very distinct difference. Um, people often confuse people like Colin Cowherd, Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, anybody that's in the opinion business, uh, columnists, stuff like that. People confuse them for, for journalists and Max Kellerman is not a journalist. Colin Cowherd, although, you know, radio guys can um, report things, um, I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinion guy. I'm an an opinion maker. That's what I do. I see sports. I tell you what I think about sports. I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. I never wanted to be. But when you want to be in media, I guess they tell you to go to journalism broadcasting school. And uh, so I had to do that. There's... um, there's an article, I'm not going to bring it down to show you, but uh, when I was first published in the student newspaper, I actually sent it home to my dad, and, and he framed it, and I've got it up there. Um, James was on my byline. It wasn't Michael. It was uh, it was James, which is my first name. I'm James Michael. Um, but for like six months, the Daily Mississippian thought that I was James Borky, and I didn't, have, uh, I didn't really care to correct him. Um, so yeah, I did a little writing. I, I did some TV work, but I always wanted to do uh, opinion. Uh, so that was just kind of my, you know, getting through school to do what I really wanted to do. Journalism wasn't an option. Uh, I'm too opinionated. Just ask my wife. I'm too opinionated uh, to be in a non-opinion platform uh, for sure. I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes, and uh, so I guess an audio platform is probably best for me. But yeah, man, I can't believe you found that. I, I, I did not know those were still out there. Um, you got to send me a link. I, I want to know where those are so I can get rid of them. Because <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed by that. You can also see my weight progression, too, because you had to put a stand-up in the story. So you had to see me at some point every time. Um, I got to college in really good shape. You know, I worked hard at, at high school football and you know, just not athletic enough to play at a major college. But I worked hard. So I was in good shape when I got to college. My freshman 15 turned into a sophomore 50. So you can see really fat me, and then I lost some weight. And and so you see the whole roller coaster of that, too, uh, when you find my old old, uh, journalism videos from from J school back in college. Oh, man, I thought those were gone. I thought those were gone. I, I used to do the voiceovers too, um, just talking into a into the camera itself instead of like going into an audio room and, and using an actual microphone. <laughs> I was uh, I was that ready to uh, to get out of class and go do you know important stuff in college, like sit on the balcony at Roosters and uh, and drink the day away. But uh, those, those days are past me now. I'm I'm older and slightly more mature than I was back then. But yeah, man, you're bringing back memories with those videos. The professor, Nancy DuPont, she actually liked me. I don't know why. Um, I, I was clearly not engaged in the class, but she liked me. Uh, she was just a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, I think she follows me on Twitter too still. God bless her. Um, good times. Uh, good times back in, uh, back in journalism school. She was great. I wasn't. Um, anyway, all right. So, a couple of things for you. Uh, one, the Grove Bowl was set. Now, what I'm about to say applies to Mississippi State as well. So, if you're a State fan, don't uh, don't turn this off. Because this principle actually applies to both teams. But I have not seen 
a schedule release or anything like that from uh, Mississippi State uh, regarding uh, their spring game and practice and stuff like that. So I'm just going to go off of what we got from Ole Miss. So Ole Miss announced that uh, April 24th will be the Grove Bowl. And we don't know what Lane Kiffin and how he's going to do it or anything like that. It, you know, I think more teams are gravitating towards basically having like an open practice scrimmage type setting where it's far more controlled instead of separating your rosters and playing an actual game. I don't know what it's going to be like in Oxford. I, I don't have a clue. But uh, April 24th is the day for Ole Miss's spring game. Again, Mississippi State has not uh, released that yet. Uh, I assume they will soon. Uh, spring practice is a month away for uh, for Ole Miss, for example. They're going to start on March 23rd. I, again, we don't know about Mississippi State until they actually um, begin. Until, uh, you know, we don't know. But what I'm about to say, again, applies to both. The first thought that I had when they announced this was, I'm really glad because this is a good sign that we're going to have a normal, a really normal spring. I don't know what attendance is going to look like yet. It's not like anybody would ever fill these stadiums for a spring game anyway. I know Ole Miss uh, is doing their spring game when they play LSU in baseball, which would be an incredible weekend atmosphere-wise, but with the restrictions, uh, those are getting loosened maybe next week, but the SEC is also involved. It's kind of a mess. So typically, that would be an incredible weekend to do all that. Um, My colleague Brian Haydad has said multiple times that it would be ideal for Mississippi State to do their spring game when they're hosting Ole Miss to make that a a really big atmosphere and a really big deal. Um, I don't know. But everybody talks about uh, the recruiting, myself included. I mean, I spent a lot of time talking about how the pandemic, uh, not having spring and stuff like that, impacted recruiting. Because neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State or Arkansas or Missouri were able to do anything with, on their campus with guys they were actively recruiting. Every other program that had a coach there for multiple years was able to have junior days. Uh, was able to have official visitors with guys that they were actively recruiting. They were able to have camps with guys they were actively recruiting. Uh, Mike Leach was in Pullman, Washington when... Gus Malzahn, who is fired, uh, Nick Saban, Ed Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher were having these camps for players that they were recruiting in this cycle. So this bad, this awful calendar that they dealt with last year, um, my focus was on recruiting because you got to get players to win games, right? But a story that wasn't really talked about that much, and I guess that's kind of my fault, right? I have the platform. I didn't talk about it much. It's on me. Um was the lack of spring practice. I mean, and you kind of forget about it, right? Because, uh, I mean, Ole Miss clicked right away offensively, and Mississippi State, you know, had approximately 8,000 yards in Baton Rouge in that win that day. So you kind of thought that, well, you know, spring practice, not that big of a deal. But I think that that was, um, that's something that was really undersold going into last season. Everybody had to deal with it, but I mean, how many programs were implementing new systems? How different, seriously, how different was Joe Moorhead's offense compared to Mike Leach's? How different was what Rich Rodriguez was trying to do versus what Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby tried to do? And these, both of these programs had to implement a new system, an entirely new style, 
um, get new quarterbacks prepared in both places because John Rice Plumley ended the season in Oxford as the starter. He was not going to be the starter under Lane Kiffin. That was just, it was not a reality. Um, they want to throw the football and Corral's better at it. You, you guys know this already. But they are implementing new systems, completely different styles, and getting different quarterbacks ready to be the starter that season. And they had to do it without any spring practice at all. None. They couldn't have it. And the workouts that they could have, they could only be in certain groups for 15 minutes because of contact tracing. They could only have a certain number of guys in the building because of COVID and the restrictions and contact tracing and all that stuff. I mean, it's a miracle that Ole Miss was as good as they were offensively. And Matt Corral was as good as he was compared from 2019 to 2020. I mean, it's a miracle. Because they couldn't really do what they were capable of doing, uh, or what they will be capable of doing this offseason. They couldn't get together. They couldn't have these player-led you know, group workouts where after they're done with their strength and conditioning coach in the morning, Will Rogers sends a group message out, hey guys, we're going to the field, we're running routes all freaking day long. They couldn't do that last year. And if they did do that, they would have gotten in huge trouble. So not only did they not do it, they would have, I mean, it would have been a news cycle if Matt Corral or KJ Costello at the time organized a team workout and they got caught doing it. It would have been an actual news cycle. You would have had columnists at USA Today talk about how irresponsible uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State players are and don't they understand that it, you would have gotten that. So not only could they not do these, they would have... I mean, it would have been a freaking news cycle if they did it. So that is such an underrated aspect of what the teams did or did not do last season was they couldn't have a real summer. Everybody dealt with it. So maybe that's why, because the playing field was technically level. But if you were a new coach implementing a new system and such a stylistic twist, uh, like what you had at Mississippi State and at Ole Miss to some degree, Um, nobody really talked about that. The lack of spring, the lack of true summer, a real ability to implement a system and really coach your guys like you would have otherwise. Um, I think that really impacted these teams and getting it back is a huge, huge, huge deal. And Ole Miss announcing, you know, spring practice is going to start next month. The Grove Bowl is going to be on a certain day. I assume that announcement's coming from Mississippi State soon. I felt really good. Like I, I, I had some optimism that one, we're going to have some sense of normalcy this spring, and two, that the teams will be better prepared for this coming season compared to last year. Will says, I think no spring affected states transfers. Players that would have transferred in April didn't end up leaving until the fall. There's that as well. I mean, Mississippi. There's a storyline around Mississippi State right now. Some of it's unfair. Uh, regarding the number of transfers. So Tennessee is first in the SEC and guys in the transfer portal. 25 players. 25 players in the transfer portal. Um, Mississippi State has 18. That's a lot. A big number of guys that transferred from Mississippi State are currently trying to do so. Some of that um, has to do with guys like Garrett Schrader, who I like. I think he has a ton of upside. I think South Carolina should be calling or should have called Garrett Schrader. Um, well, South Carolina, honestly, um, should have kept Ryan Holinsky. But they let Mike Bobo make 
personnel decisions there. I, I don't know. Ryan Holinsky's a great player. Um, he'll be good. He will be very good. Um, same thing with Schrader. I like Garrett Schrader. I think he's going to be a good player. I think in the right system, he's going to be a quality college quarterback. But Garrett Schrader's skill set does not match Mike Leach. And so, Will, I think you're right. Guys like him, the tight ends especially. I mean, if they had had a spring practice and the tight ends, who, I mean, I think all of them transferred at this point, right? Except for uh, except for Cumbest, right? Um, um, I, I may have just completely butchered that. Uh, yeah, I think they all have transferred at some point. Um, except for him, obviously, because he's playing baseball. Hey, I got that right. How about that? Um those guys would have left in the spring. And nobody would have batted an eye. I mean, it wouldn't have been a story. We would have mentioned it on the radio show, but in a, yeah, I mean, this is what happens. You know, Garrett Schrader doesn't fit the system. Mike Leach doesn't know what tight ends are. I mean, he might know what they are, but he couldn't care less about them. Um, that would have all happened in the spring. And because all of these transfers happened in the fall during the season... You had the questions. What the hell's going on at, at Mississippi State? Well, why are all these guys leaving? Some of them makes you raise your eyes, uh, eyebrow a little bit. Um, guys that got some starts or something like that entering the transfer portal, uh, you know, you're like, you know, what, what's that all about? But that 18 number uh, is like inflated, if that makes sense. It's inflated because they didn't have spring. I think that's a really good point. I think Ole Miss would have lost a quarterback in the spring. Not Plumley. I'm talking about Tisdale. I think he probably would have left after the spring instead of being there this whole season. Stuff like that. That's a good point as well. That story around Mississippi State would not be as big if spring practice existed because it would have been a slow burn instead of why are all these guys transferring well, it's because he plays tight end and Mike Leach doesn't use tight end. Or it's because, yes, he got starts at quarterback last year, but he didn't really, didn't really fit that system. So that's something that I didn't even think about. I didn't even write down here in my notes, but that's a really good point. Um, the, the transfers would have gone differently. But uh, that was really encouraging to me. I got excited when I saw that. Uh, a sense of normalcy getting things back on track, but most importantly, these teams now getting a true offseason, a real offseason, to really get their systems in place, to really develop their quarterbacks, to really, I mean, Zach Arnett's defense was very, very good, so I guess he didn't have much trouble implementing his, but on the Ole Miss side of things, you're going you're gonna to see new bodies, and you will at State too, but you're going to see new bodies. That defense is going to have a bunch of names uh, that are playing for it that you probably haven't seen yet. I mean, on the defensive line, you're going to have probably, you would hope, you need it to be two starting defensive tackles that did not play at Ole Miss last year. A linebacker that did not play at Ole Miss last year. A piece in the secondary with Jacob Springer that, and again, I don't know how he's translated, but he was a second team all AAC selection at Navy, didn't play for Ole Miss last year. So you need a true spring to get these guys up to speed, get your transfer from Maryland up to speed, Get your junior college defensive tackles that you need to play and be impactful immediately to make your defense better at all. Um, they need this work this summer. And so a sense of normalcy is really good uh, for these teams for sure. 
Turning the page over to baseball, I'm just going to be fully transparent with you guys. Midweek baseball is not going to be something that I cover heavily uh, on this platform. Because largely, I mean, you guys know this. Um, I know we love baseball around here. I love baseball around here. And when you've got a team that's ranked number one and a team that's ranked number five, uh, you really care. And uh, you watch them even when they're playing a Jackson State and an Arkansas State. But usually midweek games are just good teams like the ones you've got beating up on bad teams like the ones you saw last night. So I'll mention it. Of course, I'll cover it. And if anything happens that is significant, I will certainly bring that to you. But as far as... um, Excuse me. But as far as like breaking down the game, I'm not going to do much of that. I mean, Mississippi State beat Jackson State 7-3. Cameron James had four hits on the night. I mean, he was special. But, like, you know, am I really going to sit here and talk about Rowdy Jordan's bad night against Jackson State? I mean, he was probably seen pitching that, um, I mean, he gets gets better stuff in batting practice uh, than what he got last night. So, I don't look into these too much. I mean, Mississippi State wins as far as I know. Uh, Nothing was stolen. Uh, which is good uh, because uh, the last time Jackson State played a sporting event, apparently somebody stole something and then they didn't and then they did again. Uh, That, as far as I know, did not happen last night. But uh, yeah, Mississippi State gets a a comfortable win over a team that they're better than. Same thing for Ole Miss last night. Ole Miss beat Arkansas State 12-1. to I think the story of the night is really, you know, back to football related. John Rice Plumlee came in late in the game and hit an absolute tank bomb. And uh, I was joking on Twitter last night, uh, you know, does Kermit Davis need a guard? I mean, I know they've struggled to score the basketball this year. Uh, I bet John Rice Plumlee could probably, you know, give them some minutes off the bench and like do what Steve Kerr used to do for the Spurs back in the day. I mean, poor Steve Kerr couldn't defend anybody. You guys may remember this. He he just, uh, size and athleticism were not there, but they'd throw Steve Kerr in the game, let him knock down a few threes, and then yank him right back out of the game. They'd need a spark, they'd throw Steve in, but they wouldn't keep him in long enough for his defensive liability to uh, uh, to matter. Uh, so maybe they can do that with Plumlee. You know, just throw him in there, and maybe he'll knock down a couple threes. I don't know. Uh, he's an impressive athlete. Uh, for sure. I had a buddy text me yesterday and say that um, he hopes, or he was looking closely at Plumlee running the bases to see if he's worked on his uh, his route running. Like if he's cutting around the bases better than he did last year, uh, you know, so he can become a better wide receiver. I thought that was funny. So yeah, just a couple of wins, comfortable wins. It's midweek baseball. You know, there's nothing really to read into unless you lose. Then, you know, you talk about it. But State wins comfortably over a team they're better than. Ole Miss wins comfortably over a team they're better than. Uh, Looking around the SEC, I mean, Tennessee Martin beat Alabama last night. That's interesting. I mean, um, nothing noteworthy. Texas A&M had to go to extras against Tarleton. This is probably the worst Texas A&M team you've seen in a while, talent-wise. And I'm not just saying that because they struggled with Tarleton. I think that's a series that when you look at the schedule moving forward... Uh, for both Ole Miss and State, you look at Texas A&M and you think, that's a team that we can beat, uh, that we are better than, um, for whatever that's worth to you. Um, but this score. So I'm going to open this up and uh, do the, the screen share thing so you guys can see this as well. Um, 
see if I can do this right. Yeah. Perfect. I figured this out again. Look at this score. You guys see this? Yeah, you see this. Um, this is going to be a really soft take, so forgive me for being soft on this. Uh, by the way, if you're listening in the podcast, it's Auburn over Alabama A&M. And Auburn beat Alabama A&M last night 33 to nothing. And they played all nine innings. 33 to nothing. Auburn had 27 hits in the game. This is going to be a soft take. I know. I'm aware of how soft it is. The game should have ended right here. Maybe you got to play five. That's fine. Game should have ended right here. Because who who gains anything? When the score is 19 to nothing after four, and then you add four more runs in the fifth, end the game. I mean, who who gains anything from that result, honestly? Who gains anything from that result? End the game after five innings. I mean, 33 to nothing. I know it's college baseball and stuff like that. I know. And these these are big boys, and they can take it. And I'm sure Alabama a and I'm sure they're fine today. They're college kids. They're going to be okay. But but what was gained from letting that game continue after five innings? Seriously. What, what did that accomplish? Auburn doesn't get any better at all by, by doing that. I mean, that's batting practice stuff and probably worse, like I said earlier. And Alabama A&M gains nothing. It, they gain nothing from getting beat up like that. Uh, that that's a big waste of time for everybody involved. Uh, and uh, Murph says, um, I think they have to agree to use the run rule before the game. Um, if that's the case, that's crazy. I, I mean, they, they should just look at each other across the dugouts and like tip their hats and say, all right, coach, like that's it. It's 24 to nothing after five innings. Let's go home. We're not accomplishing anything here. There, there's no value in beating somebody in baseball 33 to nothing. There's really no value in it. And, and I think that that is something that shouldn't happen. Uh, end the game. After the 14 spot in the fourth inning, go ahead and end it. I don't know. I just, I hate seeing stuff like that. I, I read stories all the time about high school coaches running up scores on bad teams. And I just, I've always thought that was bad form. Uh, at this level, when. Auburn is so much better than this team, and they're winning by 30 runs. I think that um, it would be best for everybody to have a little bit of mercy. That's why they call it the mercy rule. Just have a little bit of a sense of what's going on here. Understand that this this game is out of hand. Nobody's gaining anything. Um, and just cut it off and end it. I don't know. I just I've always thought that that, that doesn't teach anybody a lesson. And every time I see those stories, you get them every fall where high school coach was throwing passes up 70 uh, points in the fourth quarter and his lesson after the game is, well, this is a tough life lesson. No, it's not. No, it's not. You don't learn anything from that. You don't gain anything from that. All you're doing is living vicariously through your players and you accomplish nothing. That's not a teaching moment. I've never liked that. I've always thought it was bad form. And that game should have ended last night after five innings and not gone a full nine at a score of 33 to nothing. I don't know. That's soft. I know that's soft, but it's that's how I feel. I don't think you gain anything from that at all. That's just me. 
All right, my voice is held up pretty good, so I'm glad you guys are still with me. Last thing for you, I, I teased it in the title. Adam Sandler, a good friend of Dan Patrick, was on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday, along with Christopher McDonald. Now, that name probably doesn't ring a bell. Christopher McDonald is Shooter McGavin. He's the actor that played Shooter McGavin. They were both on Dan Patrick's show because uh, um, Happy Gilmore turned 25, like last week. 25-year anniversary of that movie. And Dan Patrick has them both on his show, and he asks them if uh, they will do a Happy Gilmore 2. And uh, Sandler replied and uh, said, yeah, in the, in the senior tour idea, it would be amazing. And McDonald said, I'm double in. Yes, I'd love to do it. Everybody's been screaming for it. Like Adam said, it would be a complete blast. The senior tour with us two, oh my God. Um, and of course he did the, you know, good for happy Gilm, oh my God voice with it. I mean, it's just great. But um, they said that they're going to green light happy Gilmore too. Now, I don't know if this is just them talking, which it probably is, right? You know, it's it's radio. Um, but if they really did green light Happy Gilmore too, I'm gonna be a a fly in the punch bowl, right? Uh, I love Happy Gilmore. I think it's a great movie. I think it's hilarious, and I uh, I'm a stand for Adam Sandler. Uh, I think uh, he gets a lot of grief for some of the movies he's made, but in reality, what he's doing is getting Netflix to pay him a bunch of money, and he flies all of his friends to some remote location, and they film a movie that's probably not very good. And they hang out in Hawaii or like on a resort in Africa for a few months and film a movie and all that. Um, I'm afraid this would stink. I I would love to see it. I would have loved to have seen it like 10 years ago. But I think right now, I think it would be bad. I I would be worried that it would be bad. And you don't want to ruin... Such a good thing that you have in Happy Gilmore. An ageless, timeless movie like Happy Gilmore. You don't want to ruin it. I think Dumb and Dumber ruined it. I, have you watched uh, the uh, the Dumb and Dumber sequels? I think they're terrible. The original Dumb and Dumber is uh, just a perfect comedy. It, it's a great movie. It's ageless. Um, and the, the sequels were awful. And it almost kind of ruined the original for me. I don't want this to happen. Because I, I like Adam Sandler. I stand for Adam Sandler. Uh, I don't think he's made great movies lately. But I, I will still... I'll go to bat for him anytime. His uh, latest Netflix stand-up special is sneaky, hilarious, and really good. If you haven't seen it, Adam Sandler still has his stand-up. I mean, he's still good at it, for sure. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to go watch it. Uh, it's really good. I don't think I want to see Happy Gilmore too. I just, I'm afraid it would be terrible. It's been 25 years, you know? I like the idea, Shooter and Happy on the senior tour, and nobody really cares, nobody's watching, and they're all gray in the hair, and there's still, like, there's that rivalry there. I mean, it could be good. I'm just terrified that it wouldn't be. And if it's not, it would ruin the first one for me. I don't know. Sometimes you just, you have a good thing, and you just let that good thing be that good thing. And, um... Just leave it, leave it be. I don't know. Murph likes uh, liked mystery, uh, murder mystery. Um, I did too, actually. I did too. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, 
Herbie Halloween or whatever it was an atrocity. Um, uh, the movie he did, the gambling movie he did, uh, I thought was really good. It was stressful, um, which was by design. Um, I really liked that. Righteous Gems? No, not Righteous Gemstones. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a Danny McBride TV show. Um, what was that movie called? I can't believe I don't remember what that movie was called. Gambling movie. Uncut Gems. <laughs> Righteous Gemstones, Uncut Gems, same thing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. And uh, him not winning any awards for that, I thought, was an abomination. But I don't think I want to see uh, Happy Gilmore 2. I'm just afraid it would be terrible. And the first one's so good. It's just so good. Anyway. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Always glad that you guys are with me. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, the YouTube page will be up as soon as I can sit down and, and, and work on that. I promise it's coming. Uh, hopefully by tomorrow. Uh, this will be on YouTube as well. It'll take a while to build an audience on there, as I've learned through my research. I mean, it will take a while. Some of those, those videos will get like one view for like a month. So uh, pray for me. But anyway, you guys have a great rest of your day. Always glad you are with me and uh, always glad that you watch. So have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in and I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 8. Talk Mississippi Media Production.